Welcome, everyone, to the second edition of Stone Sundays with myself, Trey Hill, and co-host, I'm going to say it again, renowned King's author, Jason Coldiron. And Jason, I had to partake because I, I don't partake in the house, so I'm already good and toasty, but I know you said you were waiting, so would you like to uh, start us off and then say hello? Absolutely. I will say um, I got a little bit going from earlier, but I'm mostly down from that. So this will officially get me hitting back on the thing. Uh, so, yes, happy to be here. Stoked. And uh, a little later, I will endorse what I'm uh, vaping here. But for the moment, for our big audience here, you can see this tool. And uh, yeah, it's 420. I... Somewhere. It's, for, it's 420 somewhere, man. I should have some vape uh, stuff here later this evening. I just unfortunately did not have it available at this point in time. So we make do with what we have in this world. And as NBA fans, uh, we've been doing that throughout. And we're spoiled today in terms of the amount of information we have, the coverage we have. And one thing you wanted to talk about was how the – the coverage is just different in the NBA. You brought up going like back to 83, 03, and then today. And I don't have a lot of information on 83. Like I wasn't around back then, but I, I was pretty comfortable with 03. So what is it that made you want, want to dive into kind of how fan, how we as fans consume the NBA, especially like come playoff time? Okay. Well, for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to attempt to describe what some people would say is a dystopian world. If you are under the age of, I'm going to say 25 or 30, it's going to sound like, uh, yeah, like, like I'm talking about some pre-apocalyptic world or something. The technology I'm about to talk about is going to be weird, but uh, obviously our, our current year is 2023, but if we go back 40 years to 1983, and believe it or not, not only was I there, I sort of remember it. Like, I remember parts of it. Like, <laughs> like I was not only alive, but old enough that I was walking around and having some formed memories that I still have. So just for a little bit of context, like, this, like for this this morning in 2023 my my typical routine would go something like i wake up and i and i spend a half an hour reading online what happened the previous night and watching highlights and seeing social media and twitter and all that stuff but uh for the moment let's go back to 1983 what it would have been like i would wake up in the morning and outside of my front door there's this thing like made a paper they called it a newspaper and I think they still exist, but I don't really know anybody that still gets them. Um, but I would have been—I would have been ecstatic to open my front door and and see the newspaper and go straight to the sports section to read about the previous night. And we're talking about information that in the current day would have already cycled out many times over. And I'd be looking at it in the newspaper as though it were a bar of gold full of precious information. Well, it's things like box scores, right? Which yes, the only place today, 
today you can literally get that track live as it goes. You don't even, there is no delay on that information. Whereas for you, you had to wait until the next day to be able to get the raw totals. Absolutely. And I definitely did not have 57 talking heads on TV talking about it. Um, Sports Center, while it did exist, was only on for a half an hour twice a day. So if you caught it at eight in the morning for that half an hour, then you got your sports for the day. If not, it wasn't on again until 8 p.m. that night. And if you didn't catch that one half an hour of Sports Center, then you're trusting your local news. And let me tell you, if you think your local news now is bad, in 1983, it barely existed. And it was really sad. Um, Basically, where we're getting that. And so, oh, okay. So another thing that would have been in that sports section, it would have listed the times for the playoff games tonight. And as <laughs> true story in 1983, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I remember this correctly. We had NBA finals games being shown <laughs> on tape delay at like midnight. So <laughs> I, I, I meant to look that up, but I wasn't sure. Uh, if it was taped delayed or not. I am old enough to remember having to look in the newspaper to see what time the games were starting, what channels, uh, what channel things were going to be on. Um, so I do remember, I vaguely recall that, that part of it, but I don't, I don't remember. I don't think I was old enough to care about the stats at that point. Yeah. So it, it didn't occur to me that, Oh, to find out who was averaging what, I, you know, I didn't really care game to game. I would watch Sports Center and then I would read in the newspaper to see what, what time the games were on. But I can't, it blows my mind. I, I and mean, I, I guess it shouldn't, but it also makes you understand why these sports writers were so uh, renowned, why they were so, they were looked up to so much, why they were so important to the sport. Whereas today, it seems like they're a dime a dozen and, you know, you have your top peers, but the gravitas that the, the, the top writers had back then, it was just another level. Outstanding point, Nate. Right now, you or I literally could get, could write something and put it online immediately. Millions of people can do that. Uh, in 1983, there was maybe a handful of writers like in the country that ever got read by people and they were a really big deal. And they were, for the most part, they were all really freaking good because the competition was insane. There was only a handful of them. Um, so for the most part, they were really, really good. And when you read stuff, it was pretty well written. And yeah, it's uh, another thing that would have happened back then is... You'd get into a to a debate or an argument with your friend about something sports related, and there was no way for anybody to look up the information. So you had arguments that went on forever and friendships that were destroyed and friends that quietly resented and hated each other forever because they disagreed about some stupid thing that we could check in five seconds right now. But we literally might not ever be able to find out back then. Maybe, maybe in the big edition of the Sunday paper where they where they posted like the season stats, maybe you, you'd find what you needed in there, but most likely not even that. So there's just no way to resolve questions. Like Larry Bird scored, made four three-pointers last night. No, he only made two. Okay, well, we're just going to argue about this for the rest of our lives because there's no way to find out. Right, and... 
for to take it to 2003 at that point the internet was around it wasn't really around on phones but you could sit down at a computer and at that point most households had them you had dial-up internet so you can go, you could go on the internet and search for something you know ask jeeves or yahoo something like that but the real difference was sports center you said it was only on twice a day for you 2003 that was prime for for sports center for me that was you know Stuart scott um van pell all uh kenny mays all of those all of those just household names and it would it would come on at like five in the morning and it would just play the morning edition would play and it, they were reruns because it was they were saying the same things over and over and i would watch it multiple times so the second time around i could quote it what they were saying because i knew what they were going to say i had just watched this and but that was how you consumed it in 2003 was it was on tv you know it was live tnt nbc who, whoever had it but you could consume it on tv and then sports center was on right after talking about it and then it was also on the next day talking about the storylines they would have the stats after the game and it was it was definitely a step up, but it wasn't anything like it is today. What what do you remember about two th- like the two thousands? Um, I guess the main thing is I remember ESPN expanding to several several channels and being able to find Sports Center on at most times of the day, and I think. It may have been ESPN Classic or something like that, but there, it seems like there was even a channel that basically just ran Sports Center 24 hours. I think, obviously, it wasn't new all the time, but it was like on 24/7. I think, if I'm remembering that right, and that was a big deal to just be able to turn on the TV and always get the sports news. You're muted. You're muted, buddy. Those are the breaks. I, I was I was trying to let you go, and I didn't I didn't want to interrupt. And then here we are. But I I almost miss the highlights of of back then, especially being off of social media as much as I am now, because they you didn't see the nuance, you didn't get you know the technical. But it's it's rare for me to just see a highlight reel, like a you know a thirty second highlight reel of a game anymore it's yeah and and you know it it would be nice to be able to sit down and have like a 20 minute little segment you know where guys just ran through the highlights like they used to and i know you can find it on the internet i know if you if you follow the right account and you go to the right the right places you can find two three minute versions but i I do i just kind of miss that being able to sit down and watch that and just kind of get my highlights in in, the, in a nice little 30-minute window. Yeah. Because when hockey came on, you could ignore it. They always covered it, but it was always yeah. – that was when you ran off and did something yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what about today um, did you want to hit? I don't know. We're all here today. I mainly wanted to talk about 83. You just wanted to reminisce about the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Um, I do think that today's coverage, I, I enjoy how in depth it can get. I like the nuance that is involved. Um, it's not just the talk. Like in 2003, talking heads were, were rough. Like 
you didn't get any nuance breakdown of, of like pick and roll coverage or uh, uh, like a Spain pick and roll or, mm-hmm. you know, like zone defense. You you just had people talking in hyperbole. And I do think the coverage today, if you go and you look for it, you can find just about anything you're looking for, which I, I think that's the biggest win for me. But I don't know. I think I'm just old too. Like, and I the way you reminisce about eight, the '80s is how I reminisce about the 2000s. But yeah. I have seen some pretty funny NBA uh, or ESPN commercials coming out. So if they could bring back those really funny uh, ESPN commercials, I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. So there's their tip for their rebrand because they need one after. I'm sure uh, they got some layoffs coming up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so to transition from that, we're just going to go straight to the Wimby sweepstakes because it's coming mm-hmm. up and you're a Kings fan. First time in forever. You're not in the lottery. You don't care about how the ping pong balls bounce, but I do because I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah. So I wanted to, and Wimby's special. So I wanted to at least take a minute and dive into the Wimby sweepstakes because that's what it is. Um, how much have you seen or how much do you know about the man, the myth, Victor Wimbanyama? I've watched a decent amount of highlights, but the most important thing I know, and for some this may be stating the obvious, but maybe not, Wemby is probably the most anticipated and highly regarded prospect actually in 20 years and since the 2003 draft when LeBron James came in. Um I mean, Zion was a pretty big deal when he got drafted, but I don't think even his even came close to how big of a deal the Wemby sweepstakes is. And the Kings aren't going to get him, but I absolutely care about where he goes and where he doesn't go, more importantly. So we should certainly talk about the best and worst places for him to go. I mean, I care because... Again, I'm a Bulls fan. If they don't get to pick in the top four, we don't even get to pick at all. But if we could get a generational talent like Wimby, um, we just had the number one pick for the Bears. The Blackhawks just won the <laughs> NHL generational talent. It's destiny, man. It is Chicago's time to shine. It is going to be their decade. And that's who I obviously want to get him. But Looking at the chart here, it looks like you've got a 1.8% chance. That's about what we had when we got Derrick Rose. I think we yeah. had 1.7 when we got Derrick Rose. But I don't I want to start with with looking at the outshot, outside contenders. Um, let's try and be a little realistic. Uh, I narrowed it down to the top four because Portland is fifth, and I think adding him with Dame is a clear like that would have been the clear choice. So in the top four, you've got Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, and Charlotte. If, the, if one of those teams is going to be the team that picks Victor, what team do you want it to be? I would like it to be the San Antonio Spurs. I lived through the Spurs getting to draft David Robinson and Tim Duncan. They've certainly fallen on hard times the last couple of years. I would love to see them get a generational player to spend maybe his rookie year, maybe, maybe his first two years under – 
the all-time great coach Popovich before he retires and passes the reins to somebody. I would, I, I want Wemby to get an experience with Popovich and then to go on to carry the Spurs back to prominence. And of the options of where he could go, that's the one I'm rooting for. You stole it from me. That's also ah. for, for everything you said, even. All right, so I, I don't want Detroit because I'm a Jalen Duran guy. I think Duran is going to be a, a top five, top seven center in the league once he's in his prime. Um, so I'll, I'll go Houston. I, I live in Charlotte. I really should, should say Charlotte, but I like Mark Williams. And I think if he went to Houston and got to play with Jalen Green and was there with Jabari Smith, Tari Eason – I think they can do some really interesting things with Shingun as the guy facilitating. Uh, so I'm going to say Houston since you saw my San Antonio one. I think Shingun, Wimby, Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green, and Tari Eason, that lineup is super long, super athletic. You can hide Shingun with those with that much length and that much, you know, hopefully positive defense between Eason, Jabari Smith Jr., and Wimby. They should all three be big pluses on that end. So that's who I'm rooting for then, I suppose, because they also would have, I think, a bunch of cap room. They could sign, uh, bring in some talent around them, bring in you know some veterans to get the young guys really uh, under control. And after this year, their their picks, I think, go to uh, they go somewhere else. So this is the year for Houston. So since you took well, San Antonio, I'm going to go with Houston. Well, I've got two other teams that aren't in the top four and they're long shots, but two teams that I would really also really love to see if he could somehow end up in. And this is two teams that I believe are quite possibly going to be owning the NBA in the next five to 10 years, regardless. And if you threw Wemby on either of these teams, I, I think they might be ready to break the NBA. Uh, and that would be the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I strongly believe both of those teams are going to be extremely strong for years to come regardless. And if you put a generational player like Wemby on them, look the F out, and that could be awesome. No love for the Pelicans? Or, or is the .5 just too too small of a chance? Um, I, I, I just think that Oklahoma City – and Utah with where their rosters are and where they're headed. I, I, I think they both just have super high ceilings anyway. Um, no, I'm not nearly as high on Utah as you, except for Laurie. I love, I love marketing, but other than him, I'm not super high on Utah, but Oklahoma city is the one where we are, we are combined. I would love to see them because I, I think they've built the right way. They given the market they're in, I think they've really rebuilt given they had Durant, they had Westbrook, but Durant wanted out. Given everything that's happened, I think they, de- you know, you'd, you'd hate to say des- no team deserves it more than the other, really. I guess, but you would like to see that team. You'd have Chet, Wimby, and, uh, man, all of the length. I think zone defense is going to be the next wave, like the next big thing coming. And a team that long and that smart on the defensive end. Uh, they could be a problem for a long time. So I also don't think it's insane to think, I mean, on paper it would be crazy, but if Oklahoma city does not say they don't win this lottery, cause they've only got 1.7% chance with their trove of picks. I actually think 
it could legitimately happen where Sam Presti could go to whoever wins the lottery and offer them 10 first round picks. I think that's important. They're not taking it. They're not taking it. Maybe not, but the, 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 reason, round picks the reason you <laughs> the reason you get 10 first round picks is to try is so to you can it. trade them for Wimby. Yeah. <laughs> like you you're not gonna add 10 players to your team. Like the reason you get all of those picks is so you can hope that one of them is the is the lottery ticket to Wimby. Um, well, if Rudy Gobert was I would worth be much five more... first rounders, I think Wemby is worth ten or fifteen. So, right. I <laughs> to me, I I more wonder like if Houston falls uh, down out of the top two and they don't get Scoo or Wemby, do they maybe look to trade with Oklahoma City and maybe because their picks are getting ready to go out the door, maybe they look to bring some in from Oklahoma City. And they might trade up to three to get Brandon Miller from Alabama or something like that because that he has size, he has that playmaking ability, and he can shoot. So, I think there might be players Oklahoma City could target to move up for, like they did for Jalen Williams. But no team is going to is going to pass on Wimby for sure. <coughs> All right. Well, you still uh, you still we already talked about the outside the top four, so. The teams that need the lottery luck, Chicago, if they don't get in the top four, they lose their pick. Dallas, I mean, they they spit in the NBA lottery gods' faces at the end of the year, which, you know, you, other people spit on them just as hard. But with how drastically they did it, it was uh, it definitely left some sour tastes. And But they really need this because if they can't get Lucas some help uh, – he might be the next guy looking to go for those 10 first round picks. Uh, how do you think Luca would look in a Thunder jersey? Uh, no. <laughs> we might be looking at something like that. Or, you know, he might go to New Orleans. I just, no, I really don't see it. <laughs> no, Luca's going to be in Dallas for life, probably. I mean, what, what if, what if they, what if they fall and they don't have a way forward? I, I can see Luca asking out uh, a lot more easily than you can, I think. But just who, whoever it may be, I think Dallas really needs it. Who do you think really needs the lottery luck this year? Who really needs it? Um, I mean, looking at it, shoot. I mean, you mentioned earlier, but, you know, Portland probably – Portland probably needs it the worst because things there aren't going the right direction. And if something doesn't turn soon, then the situation with Lillard's going to keep getting worse and he's going to keep aging. And yeah, if if something drastic doesn't happen in Portland, that's going to end bad in the next couple of years. So I, I would say, as you mentioned earlier, I would think Portland has the most at stake here. They need I like that one. Most, I think. Now, you can't – no, you can't trade that. Never mind. I'm not even going to speak that into existence. <laughs> Dame and Wimby, they would be a great pair. I think they would – I think they would complement each other well. It would be nice to see Wimby go to a team that's looking to be a contender – because I'd like to see him get the playoff, like the important game reps, the playing reps, the playoff reps, get get that experience early on. Because 
he needs to see like he he has all the tools. We we've seen the tape. He has all of the tools. He seems to have the right mentality. He just needs to be exposed to what it's like. And if he can get exposed to what it's like and learn how he has to how he has to grow, how he has to adapt to win in that environment in that uh, what Draymond call it the 16 game season. If he can learn how to to win in the second season, then we really, you know, it, he really might go down as a as a generational talent. All right. Um, so when we started this pod, you wanted one. Of, at first, it was you, but then we just decided, I guess, whoever could do it. We were going to go with the devil's advocate segment, where one of us has to argue something that. But, you know, most people probably wouldn't agree with. Most people might not enjoy. Uh, I've thrown a few at you. And this was the one that you said you could not do with a straight face. That's right. And <laughs> you, challenged me, you challenged me to make this case. So I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, this, this, should, this should be good, and mate. <laughs> and, and really, we, pick, we picked a good day to record this segment because – the devil's advocate segment I'm going to hit everybody with is that Rob Polinka is a good GM. Cold iron scratching his chin, looking around, but well, that's certainly a take. And he's been there for, this is his sixth year and he's got, make make the case, man. he's He's already got a championship and he's in the conference finals. Uh, looking to get another one already. And? How is he not a good GM? Um, well, did did we all just, like, overlook or forget, like, a few years ago, like, uh, when we all found out that he's a pathological liar? Is Did we, we just, like, forget? Like... Uh, I mean... If you don't think that he set Kobe up with Heath Ledger, then I don't know what to tell you, man. But I, I, he I mean, a, he can I, be a pathological I, I, I liar. Hate, I hate to question his powers of time travel, but I'm pretty sure that story was bullshit. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was also, but I'm not judging the character of the man. I'm simply judging the results of the product on the court and. He built a team. Uh, you know, he got rid of Zubach, which was a bad deal. He he wanted Mescala to try and space the floor around Le- LeBron. That was you know that was a problem. But he built a team that won the title, and then uh, they decided to keep Taylor Horton Tucker instead of Caruso, which was a mistake. But once you win the title, I feel like that part is justified. From there, LeBron is the one who wanted Westbrook. They 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 had a trade on the table. It was for Buddy. Was it Buddy Hield and Miles Turner? So, supposedly, they had that trade on the table, and then LeBron goes and hangs out. Him and AD go and hang out with Westbrook, and then LeBron calls up Palinka and is like, "Hey, you got a trade for Westbrook?" And so they just do the same trade, but for Westbrook. So Polinka knows, hey, 
this team needs a little more size and some shooting. So, but LeBron vetoes it, and he's LeBron James. Like, what are you going to do? Tell him no. That that's the situation he was in. So, well, one he caves that, and he does it. Argue that he lucked into LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the first place. Lucked into LeBron James, maybe, but. It's, it's like saying the Miami Heat lucked into the run there, and they didn't luck into the run. That's just part of the program. Part of the program with Los Angeles is you build the team around getting stars, and the team bottomed out. And Anthony Davis was going to be a free agent anyway, so yeah, they might have got him a year earlier, but if AD wanted to go there, he was going to get there. The Pelicans really, you know, they were smart to move him to there, so even if he did get a little lucky, that. That's what being in the Lakers' job is. So I don't I don't see how you can hold that against him. So he gets the title, and then he's able to pivot from Westbrook, getting Vanderbilt and Beasley and Rui Hachimura, only giving up one first-round pick, and, the, and D'Angelo Russell. I almost forgot about him. So he gets all these guys and has turned this team – into a conference finalist, even though LeBron says he should be out if it wasn't for the LeBron of feet. So again, how is Rob Polinka not at least a good GM? He might not be a great GM, but he's a good GM. Well, there you go. That That's the devil's advocate saying, hey, Polinka is at least a good GM. I think you made the point. <laughs> As a Bulls fan who is watching Jimmy Butler thrive on the Heat, watch Laurie Markkinen win most improved player, Wendell Carter Jr. doing excellent in Orlando. There are lots of teams that would love to have a GM that could – and I mean, I guess that's not really the GM's doing. (laughs) That was more our coaching staff. But having a a program, having – an organization that is that can function and that's where the bulls are now. But those three names I just named, like you heard, you heard him laugh at, at, you know, at me and that is life as a bulls fan. But I just, I think Rob Polinka is a good GM and I stand by what I said. So before we get out of here, cold iron, you hit your, you hit your vape when we first started before we do the other plugs, would you like to plug your strain of the week? Sure. And actually, I got two things here. So once again, I'm with the brand Americano. been hit, using them pretty much exclusively the last few months. They've been rocking my world appropriately. And this week's strain is Gushers. And this one runs in at nine, another hybrid running 96.5. Uh, my note on this one is perhaps more than the gelinate of last week. This one makes me a little more relaxed and chill. And it might even be a little better in the evening toward bedtime, but uh, definitely, definitely feels good and does the trick. And while I'm here, I will also shout out the pen. I recently had my beloved pen finally expired as they do every couple of months when you use them as much as me. I think actually this one, I think I got in January. So he really lived a, a strong and proud life for me. And uh, last night I cracked open from West Coast Cure, the Cure Pen battery. And I didn't have to run to the store to get this because as any proper stoner in the modern age would would do, 
I bought this months ago in, in anticipation of the day when my pen would inevitably expire. So I have this one just sitting here in my drawer ready for it. And the next time I go to my dispensary to re-up on my stuff, I'll get another one of these or something like it to go into the drawer for a month or two from now when this one dies. And uh, yeah, uh, so so far, it, I am, it, I'm it, just work, it works so great. Just walk down the road. It, it, uh, my wife likes the color. It's got the uh, white and gold lettering. It's uh, very pretty. It will look good in my It probably wife's. makes it easy to find when you're looking for it. Yeah, and it'll yeah it'll be easy to hide in my wife's purse when we go out later. So, it uh, thumbs up all around on the West Coast Cure brand pen, and I, I can't speak enough about the brand Americana. Like I said, I've been smoking them, vaping them almost exclusively for more than six months now, just hitting different strains. This week, Gushers, another thumbs up. Strain of the week, boom. All right, you got anything else to plug? Hoop Social, I hear they're cool. You should check them out. I, I also hear that they are revamping their YouTube channel, and everyone should go and subscribe to that. Um, they have a store. You can find that on Google. Just Google Hoop Social Store, and you can get hoodies and shirts and stuff like that. You know what? I'm going to put you on the spot at the end of our show. So tomorrow we've got one like, – we're recording this on a Saturday. There's no games today, which is rough. Tomorrow there's one game. It is game seven, the Celtics and the 76ers. Who you got? Who, who's winning tomorrow, Trey? On the the Celtics. The Celtics? The, the 76ers had their chance, and they lost it. I. The Garden is going to be on fire. I don't expect Jason Tatum to start one of 14 again. I just – I would love – I would hate for Caleb – for the Celtics to lose, but I, you know, I would love to see Embiid get a chance to to have a path to the finals to at least get out of the you know the second round. But I don't see it happening. What about you? Who you got? So I I, I get a little conundrum when it comes to the 76ers because on one hand, my uncle Chris, who's like my best one of my very best friends in the world, uh, the 76ers are his team. So on one hand, I consider them my second favorite team. On the other hand, they've got a player named James Harden, who is certainly my five least favorite players of all time. So I, I get a little torn when it comes to that. But I, out of love for my uncle, I'm going to say that I am rooting for the 76ers, but I, like you, I, I will be predicting that the Celtics will win. I will be rooting for the Sixers, but expecting the Celtics. Uh, well, we when this goes out, we still won't know because we're recording this Saturday afternoon. But this will be there for when you wake up for your nice little wake and bake in the morning, fellow stoners. So um, with, from Jason Coldiron, you know, renowned King's author who is doing some weird poses there for anyone who wants to come watch the video and showing off his tattoos. And for me, uh, host Trey Hill, thanks for joining and have a good one.